Welcome to the New Frontiers podcast, exploring how innovations will affect the way we live, think and work in 2019 and beyond. New Frontiers is Barclays' annual digital innovation conference. We will be inviting some of our speakers to help create a series of podcasts, delving into some of the key issues that we will be exploring at the event. My name is Tom Easterby, and I head up the VC coverage team here at Barclays, and I'm joined by Mike Heimeyer of Darktrace. Hey, Max. Hi, Tom. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Good. Max, you're a cybersecurity expert with over eight years of experience in the field specialising in network monitoring and offence security, is that right? That's correct. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, eight years is quite a long period to be involved in such a new technology as this. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's always changing, always adapting. And eight years is really my professional experience. But if you live and breathe the cyberspace, so to speak, you're involved all your life. So I even started before I got professionally involved and just, you know, how you get into the field, playing computer games, tinkering with software. So I've been involved longer than eight years. But so it's, 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 it's in the soul, not just in the day job. Pretty much, yeah. Nice, I like that. Um, I want to talk about Darktrace today. Um, massively uh, impressive journey to date, uh, really is. And, and it's had quite a high profile journey as well. Um, Cybersecurity is an incredibly technical niche in the world of, of tech. Um, one of the goals of the podcast is to try and demystify some of these tech and innovation subjects. How would you explain Darktrace to a non-technical specialist? Mm. I've seen through some of your literature you refer to this uh, human immune system. Um, mm. Could you expand on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the challenges you encounter in tech and in new tech as well, especially to break these things down to the everyday listener. So if you think about cybersecurity, I'm sure, Tom, you know from your home computer, you've got your antivirus installed and that protects you against all sorts of threats. And if we just think about how that works, and I'm going to come to how Darktrace works in contrast just in a second. So your antivirus looks for known bad, it looks for signatures. It's like a bouncer in a club. It has seen your face, you might have a drink too much the night before, it won't let you in tomorrow. But if it doesn't know your face, it doesn't know your signature, it won't do anything, you can just pass by, you can fool it. So nowadays threats are constantly evolving. There's constant new threat actors out there, new hackers, new methods to get into systems. So it's just not enough to look for known bad from yesterday's war, basically. So Darktrace flips that completely on its head. Instead of saying we look for known bad, known signatures, legacy approaches, we understand and use machine learning and artificial intelligence to learn what normal is, like the human immune system. It knows what your innate feelings are, it knows what your body acts like. And once Darktrace understands what's normal for your environment, it spots deviations. That deviations point is really interesting. And I'm guessing there must be situations there where you get almost get a false positive as well. Or a, you know, and, and that, is, is, is there ways that the AI and the machine learning are able to capture that? Yeah, absolutely, that's a great question. And Everything we show in Darktrace is a genuine anomaly. If it's of cyber relevance to you, might be another question. So often we see customers get Darktrace in and they start to see their environment, they start to see their processes, how HR interacts with finance, how new people are onboarded in their system, finally. It's like putting on a light switch. Yeah. And that's amazing. So traditionally you might say, well, that's not too interesting, but if you see that the model business processes deviate from what's actually happening, mm. and people just upload their media files to Dropbox, which shouldn't be allowed, that can be a huge risk to an organization. So that's quite interesting then that they're kind of almost um, using the technology to really understand the business. So that to some extent, the technology becomes bespoke to the, the, the organization. Absolutely, because no two organizations are alike. 
Fantastic. Right. So dark trace is deployed in huge banks, in insurance companies, in water treatment plants, in SCADA environments, so industrial environments. Yep. Actually, Drax Power Station was our first and big energy customer. And you can imagine a power station looks very different to an insurance environment. <laughs> and that's, again, Darktrace learns on the job. We don't have any predefined knowledge of what bank should be looking like or a power station should be looking like. It all learns and understands once it sees the environment and starts to defend it based on what it sees there. That aspect of the Darktrace business is something that I think is really impressive. It's, it's, it's the clever bit, really, isn't it? <coughs> that's correct. Let's talk a little bit more about the Darktrace journey. Mm. Um, as I said, massively impressive. Um, 80 million valuation in March 2015, uh, 1.65 billion valuation a few months ago. That's a really Im unprecedented type of journey, really. And I think that's symptomatic of the smart and really intelligent technology, mm -hmm. as well as the fact that this is a, a real growth area that businesses are having to, to take, take a look at. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And the listeners can't see it, but I've got a big grin on my face just <laughs> listening to our own journey here. And I've been with the company for over three years. And when I joined, I was employee 120. And now this year, we want to reach number 1,000. So wow. 1,000 employees. We just moved offices in Cambridge. I was just there yesterday for the first day, a completely brand new building. And we finally got enough space for everybody for now. So nice. let's see how that develops. So it's all nice and shiny. <coughs> and you kind of, yeah. yeah. Would you say that those points around getting to that number of employees and getting your own new shiny home, are they the, the kind of the highlights that you think you and the team have from your journey so far? There's various highlights. Sure, these are some of the milestones, but also if I think further, it's seeing the growth, seeing all the smart people, enjoying everyday work, basically, yeah. because I love to go to work and so do all of my colleagues because it's just a very enigmatic environment mm. and lots of energy is there. But also there's other milestones I think of when I think about our journey like introducing <coughs> not only the dark trace technology, but the ability to react to attacks. So everything we talked about is spotting the deviations, right? Mm. spotting the anomalies. But wouldn't it be great if you can also stop them while they're proceeding? So if we think a year back when OneCry happened, I'm sure you've heard of that, the yep. big massive ransomware wave that destroyed and hit many companies, even if you spot these things, which Darktrace does instantly every day in many, many environments, it might be too late to react for a human. Because once it hits your computer, you yep. click on a link, you click on a file, it takes five seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, and your whole environment might be ransomed. So for us, from a tech perspective, it was a great milestone to introduce this autonomous defense component that cannot just say, that's anomalous, you should do something, but stop it in flight. Wow, yeah, that's really impressive. And I think that whole prevention rather than cure is um, exactly the way that not just the cyber industry, but so many other parts of innovation are, are heading. Um, flipping that question around kind of um, uh, um, highlights, flipping that around a little bit, um, a business that scaled that fast, there must have been some really dodgy moments and some challenges, <laughs> right? What, what, what keeps you and the team awake at night at the moment, would you say? Mm, what keeps me awake at night? So <clears throat> as I mentioned, we are heading towards 1,000 employees. I'm personally heading up a team of 30 threat hunters, like um, cyber hunters, you would think of them, in Cambridge in our R&D headquarters. And when I joined, we were five people or something like that. Now yeah. we're up to 30 there and 80 globally for these cyber hunters. And what keeps me up at night is making sure we get the right people in mm. because there's something in our industry, in the info security industry, called the cyber kill skills shortage, mm -hmm. so cyber skill shortage, which means getting good people is difficult because everybody needs them. And the skills required for traditional people there is 
pretty high, pretty intense. So making sure we hire the right people and not water down our great culture is one of the big challenges, I yeah. think. But a positive one to have, right? Because you can still decide who do you get in. Yeah. And just thinking ahead, um, thinking a bit about this, we almost achieved, or we have achieved a 40-60% ratio of ma female and male analysts in my oh, team. Wow. So we've got 40% women in my team, and we didn't do this on purpose. We just tried to hire the best people out there. Yeah. With a, um, with a team titled Cyber Hunters, I'm pretty sure that that kind of flags up on a lot of LinkedIn uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, recruitment posts as being something that's quite interesting. I've heard you um, and the team in the past refer to the fact that you like to recruit um, intelligent sponges. Is that right? Is that how you call it across the team? That's how I call it. It's probably okay. a misnomer, um, <laughs> okay. being not a native speaker. But I like that idea, though, that you're, you're taking on individuals that are just going to absorb the, the, the direction that the business is going and, 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 and contribute. Exactly. Again, we try to flip the problems on its head, right? If you look at traditional security space, you always try to hire somebody who's got 5, 10, 15 years of experience yeah. and they know all these legacy tools and they can read in details, in depth, bits and bytes and decode malware, but that doesn't scale. So mm. again, we need something different. So our solution is very visual. It shows you almost a natural language what is happening. Tom's computer connects to a weird server on the internet he's never connected before and he sent a lot of data out which he's never done before in the last two months so you and me we understand that right it's very different to saying tom's computer used kerberos login 537 mm. nobody knows what that means yeah so that's why we can hire and we do hire the smartest young bright graduates from cambridge university oxford stanford and we sit in between those very bright people um experienced people like myself and they learn the tools they learn the business and they learn from us mentors yeah that, 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 that comment you made around kind of culture and um, maintaining that as you recruit and grow, that's something that resonates massively across all of our clients in the high growth space. And being able to maintain a startup culture from 10 to 50 to 1,000 employees is really quite tough. But I'm always um, hugely impressed with those businesses that can, can do that. Mm -hmm. And you see situations where they've been able to foster that very different culture and very different way of looking at problems um, and then being able to create that right through the organization till it becomes essentially a large corporate, retain it. And even when the originally founding team have left the, 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 the team, they've, they've embedded it so firmly that it's, that it's continued. I always think that's such a, an incredible journey and I think culture is so easy to kill to maintain it and foster it so hard. So um, yeah, it's definitely a theme that, that crops up a lot from, um, from various businesses that we speak to. And I very much agree. Um, just mentioning the founding team, I was just in our London office at Trafalgar Square and talked to Poppy Gustafsson, our, one of our two female CAOs. Yeah. So we just had a chat. So the founding team is still there, yeah. which is very nice to have. Nice. And especially, as I mentioned before, and I don't want to ramble on about this, but um, one of the challenges is keeping the right culture and making mm. sure it doesn't water down and dilute. But the great thing is, I think we still achieve to keep it and make very informed but snappy decisions. So keeping flat hierarchies really helps us to make sure we keep the momentum up and make the fast-paced decisions we have to make. Yeah. So instead of having just an example, you know, big companies you often have weekly team calls and bi-weekly other calls with other teams and um, divisions and there's all these meetings that are cluttering up your yeah, yeah. calendar and you have to participate and there's 20 people on the calls and two people contribute something so I don't want to ramble on but we don't have anything like that so we try to keep the decisions and the um, decision ways of how decisions are formed very short and very informed.
Mm. I like that. Fast and informed. Mm. Nice, 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 nice combination of a mantra to, to live by. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you around is um, a couple of the themes that we expect to kind of flow through the content of the conference. Um, the first one being kind of around the negative impact of innovation on, on society, whether that's through the future of work or smartphone addiction, data privacy, maybe some stuff around um, use of technology for crime, which, you know, Dark Trace is experts at. Um, and the other point is around diversity. I'll get to the second point shortly, but regarding that kind of negative impact, what's, what's your view on, on where, where, where we are as a, an industry at the moment on that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I like that point a lot. And I keep thinking about all these artificial intelligence technologies that come up and all these breakthroughs we're making. Because a lot of people are skeptic or they're afraid that people are going to be put out of jobs. Right? You've got all yeah. this automation coming, so what are people going to be doing in mm. the future? And we, we do some automation. It's not our core business. But we help people make better decisions. And instead of sitting at their desk all day in a traditional security job and going through the same alerts every mm. day, in a secure preparation center. It's almost like a conveyor belt job, but IT. Um, that's what it used to be. And now we empower people to make much more informed decisions, see more interesting content, prevent burnouts doing that because they can. They have more power, they can pivot around data. There's much more intellectual stimuli, if you so mm. want. So we don't see it as a threat because these people get empowered. They don't have to deal with the low-level tasks, and they're freed up to work on the actual issues instead of everyday firefighting. Yeah. You're involved in a program called Ethical Hackers as well, is that right? So I used to be an ethical hacker. Okay. And we teach people internally how to hack, basically, yep. how to break into computer systems. Oh, cool. Because we think if you want to catch hackers, you have to know how they think. Yes. Right. So you have to know offense to know defense. Yeah. I like that very much. Um, the second point was around diversity and um, diversity in all forms, really, right across the tech and innovation space. And you mentioned a statistic a little earlier around your team being 40-60 female-male split. That's hugely impressive. And a lot of um, your peers and businesses of a similar sort of um, uh, size and scale really struggle mm. with, with that sort of thing. How, how, how do you think you've achieved that? I think, as I mentioned before, just we didn't shoot for a women quote or anything mm. that you sometimes see in the industry. We just hire the best people for the job. And we try to give something back to the community by supporting young girls in STEM yep. um, environments. Or we also support the UK Cybersecurity Challenge, which is like an ethical hacking challenge. So we try to nurture this in the broader community and give something back. But I think surely it helps to see that we have two female CEOs. Again, not very normal to have two yeah. CEOs, co-CEOs, and especially two female CEOs heading a tech company growing so fast. Yeah. So I'm sure it encourages um, young women who think about joining the tech field to see these strong women and leadership roles and get an idea about what Dark Trace is all about. Yeah, and it's great to shine a spotlight on that and to give people, you know, of any gender really, um, an example of, of, of people that have come from a different background may not look like the traditional techie exactly. and you know, hugely succeeding, right? Exactly. Really impressive. Um, that brings us on to the final question, uh, and this is one that we're trying to kind of ask all of our guests, is mm. something we can thread through the series, so to speak. Um, as a leader across the tech sector, knowing what you know now about all of the industry, uh, and et cetera, but you could start afresh, where would you invest your time, energy, and capital? Mm. For me personally, as Max Heinemeyer, not as Dark Trace, right? As Max, yes. I think I would almost do everything as I did it, everything the same. 
but probably adapted to today's environment. So that means my, my upbringing, my education was very much focused on IT and halfway business. Mm -hmm. So I can bridge the gap between those two. Yep. Because there's many, many great techie people out there, but tech skills alone only get you so far. You're often gonna be put in a box, people are gonna put labels on you, which can be a shame because there's so much great skill on tech. Mm. So trying to bridge this gap has really helped me personally, not being confined to a specific box. So I can talk marketing, I can talk PR, I can talk IT, security, and this cross discipline knowledge really helped me. So I would go down the same route, but when I say I would update it to 2018, I mean, probably I wouldn't look into what I studied back in the day, which was um, distributed computing systems, okay. big data, and these kind of things. Yeah. I would probably try to study AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain technologies, mm. so updated. And I don't know if you ever aspired any other jobs, Tom, so mm. I don't know about your background. Yeah, well, uh, for me, with that one, when, I, when I hear that question, it, it does resonate quite a lot. Um, my, um, my background at university was all around statistics. Um, and I took the decision to go and work for an accounting firm, and I uh, went on that road. I think if it was, if I had my time again, and I was answering the question, I think I would definitely kind of, well, I'd be graduating nowadays with some sort of data science degree. Mm. That's clearly obvious because that the, the world is the world has moved on in that direction. And I often think that one of the big problems across society at the moment is around healthcare and well-being, mm. and all of the issues that we're facing around uh, demographics. And I think I, data is a real, real. Um, tool to help solve a lot of those problems and I think that combination of data science into the the wider healthcare industry is uh, is somewhere that um, it's a much needed uh, avenue to, to a problem, problem to solve but I also think that if you get it right there's probably a lot of money to be made there. Absolutely I fully agree and it's one area as we see artificial intelligence being applied Absolutely. because AI helps if humans fall short in complexity. So if you have massive amounts of data, like we see at Darktrace in networks, we see all these devices talking to each other, Internet of Things devices, smart fingerprint scanners, smart copy machines, your smartphone, your home computer, your business computer, things you never thought about could be communicating, and a human just can't cope. Yeah. So you need, you need the machines to do the heavy lifting so you can make informed decisions again. And One of those turning points for me around that AI and in, into decision making and the human interface, um, I, it's, been, it's been polled several several times in lots of different areas, but one that resonated quite uh, well with me was a TED talk I saw recently where they polled the audience. You know, would you rather be diagnosed by an AI bot or a junior doctor? Mm. Possibly a junior doctor that's overworked and underpaid, mm. but we won't go there. Mm. Um, but clearly the room was pretty much unanimous. They'd rather the AI bot. Um, and I think that kind of really demonstrates the direction of kind of patient and, 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 and just the community that, 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 that people want to embrace those sorts of technologies. Absolutely. And just to drive the point home, it's very much the same. You, we could talk about autonomous driving, autonomous vehicles at the moment, about error rates in humans versus error rates in computers and security. So if mm. you have a, an overworked conveyor belt, air quotes here, IT worker who has to go through hundreds of alerts every day, maybe in a graveyard shift at night, he's gonna make a mistake once in a while, and that mistake might lead you to being hacked, whereas an AI solution doesn't have that issue. Yes. Fantastic, I'm sure we could talk around this and many other subjects for quite a while, but it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Max. Um, I'm super excited to hear more from Dark Choice at the, at the New Frontiers conference, um, and on that note, I think we'd uh, like to say thanks. Brilliant, thank you very much, Tom, I enjoyed it. Barclays Bank PLC is not liable for the impact of any decisions made based on the information contained or the views expressed. 
Barclays Bank PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. More details, including how you can contact us, are in the description of this podcast.